I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Media Podcast. I'm Ollie Mann. On today's show, can Chris Evans revitalise Murdoch's radio dreams, the war on disinformation and Amazon's latest moves onto Netflix territory? Plus, our panel discuss the creeping spread of The Telegraph's paywall, Global's foray into street ad marketing, and in The Media Quiz, we pit the finest minds in this room against the brains behind Radio 4's new quiz book. It's all to come in today's media podcast. And joining us today is Steve Ackerman, MD of content company Something Else. Uh, now, Steve, our listeners should know that by far the most exciting piece of content you have in the pipeline is a six-part audio documentary about weight loss hosted by me. But what more minor <laughs> projects do you have coming up? Do you know, Ollie? I didn't even know that we <laughs> had you. Uh, Such a vast <laughs> indie, Steve. You didn't even know about uh, the exciting work. What else is going on? P- probably the, the, the current recent headlines are the um, uh, Can You Feel It uh, series on the BBC. which Your is dance music. Dance, yeah. yeah, which has done extremely well. Uh, and um, also this week, we released the first of our original podcasts with um, the first one is with Katie Piper, from who's starring in Strictly at the moment. Mm. It's called Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. And she meets other amazing people who've been through moments of adversity and come out and provided inspiration. And is there a brand involved in that? I was, I was sitting in your lobby the other day and I thought, God, you do well working with all these different advertisers. There, uh, there will be a sponsor coming down the track on that, yeah. Okay. And alongside him, the man who put Love Island in your ears, it's Matt Deegan <laughs> from Folder Media. Wow. Um, There's an introduction. <laughs> now, you've been to every uh, radio conference going on over the summer, <laughs> including organising one of them. So what have you learned? Uh, so I think there's a mature, there's, there's becoming a... A greater maturity in in audio and podcasts. Uh, I think some of the playing is maybe over, uh, and people are taking it very seriously now. Uh, and if you're going to do it, you've got to do it, do it properly. I think that's what we're hearing. He's looking me straight into the whites of my eyes as he says this. <laughs> I'm concerned my jocular tone is striking the wrong balance. Uh, and what else? What was the uh, best thing that happened at Next Radio for you? Uh, this is the radio conference. There was a great session on uh, brainstorming being bullshit. Mm-hmm. And like brainstorming this idea that you drag 10 people into a room, a uh, blank sheet of paper and try and come up with some ideas. Uh, is, a, is an idea from the 50s. It's been thoroughly debunked by science, but we all still do it all the time. Um, uh, and this great guy called Wade Kingsley from Australia just gave some uh, thoughts and tips about how to think differently about uh, coming up with ideas. V- varying stuff from where you do it uh, to doing things in pairs, being very successful, be it kind of Lennon and McCartney or Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. You know, the combination of, of two people can be quite good. Other thing he said was, um, you know, chefs 
chefs don't sit down and invent new vegetables. They take vegetables and they come up with a great new meal. I thought it was a better way of thinking than starting with a blank sheet of paper. It's interesting as well, isn't it, Steve, how much brainstorming, if we are still going to be calling it that, still really works when it's face to face. Like, you know, I do all kinds of things via Slack and text messaging and WhatsApp and email. But actually, the best ideas often are when you're together with someone else working on something called human contact I is this it's right. very powerful very, it's a very powerful thing for all forms of communication not more powerful than podcasting surely Matt not, Deacon, no. okay uh, let's talk about uh, some of the big radio announcements over the summer uh, lauren laverne being moved to six music breakfast greg james of course starting his new breakfast show on radio one eddie Mayer at lbc probably the biggest one though was Chris Evans. Is he Europe's biggest radio yes. host, I believe? Yeah. Uh, moving to Virgin after eight years at Radio 2. Um, before we talk about Zoe Ball, who's re- replacing him, first on his move, Matt, why do you think he decided to go? Uh, so I think it's a few different things. I think, number one, uh, he was a bit annoyed about having to publish how much he was paid. Uh, number two, his pay would be going down anyway. Uh, I think he's also at the sort of top of his game. And I think we saw this with Christian O'Connell as well when he moved to Australia. I think some talent are thinking they want to test themselves. Mm. Is this, have I got this skill or is it the station that's around me? And I mean, oh, oh my God, there's there's no bigger challenge than going from a breakfast show that has 9.6 million listeners to one that currently has 166,000. So uh, I think, yeah, and I think also the support of News Corps around him and that show, I think, will be quite interesting. Yeah, so this is uh, what many listeners still think of as Murdoch Inc., basically, right? But a lot of listeners might not realise they own Talk Radio, Talk Sport and Virgin. Uh, Steve, do you think for them this is a strategy that can pay off, getting in the biggest talent for the tiniest music radio station? Well, well, they clearly do, uh, because they put their money where their mouth is. And I think it's fascinating that you... You have an organisation who, don't forget, were in radio many years ago. They they were they originally uh, were part of the uh, people backing Kelvin McKenzie when he bought Talk Radio. They pulled out again, and now they're back in and back in in a, in a fairly significant and an aggressive way. And I suppose the exciting thing is, uh, for the first time in a long time, we're seeing a radio market hot up again in terms of talent mm. and and the drive for sort of premium content. And look, I mean. These people are not stupid. They are very, very smart business people and they clearly see audio and radio as being a key part of how uh, the empire can broaden out beyond newspapers and obviously the weaknesses that, that are inherent around, around the newspaper industry. But when Chris Evans was last on Virgin, Matt, they mm. had a decent slice of London, at least, didn't they, on FM? And uh, they had a nationwide medium wave signal, neither of which things they have now or are relevant now. Uh, well, isn't it? But that's it. It isn't so relevant. So... Yeah, six music. Well, that's two point six million. Absolute eighties. History one point seven, one point eight. Uh, with great music formats, but not particularly talent-led. So, can uh, can Virgin Radio establish itself and become a two million radio station? Yeah, probably uh, with quite a bit of effort. I think the other thing with news is they have absolutely no desire to be the third place radio operator. You know, they do not go into markets to be number three. So, this is uh, you know, strong. Uh, organic growth from investing in their own products you know will we see more stations will we see more acquisitions this is the beginning of their story I think and do you know any gossip you can shed some light on for us Steve about why Chris might have been unhappy at Radio 2 because there's nothing in his on-air personality of course to indicate that but 
I suppose you are creatively constrained, even by that massive production team, from doing certain things on a massive mainstream show like that. I'm afraid you're coming to the wrong person if you're looking for gossip. I mean, I wish I did have something to, to, to tell you, but I don't and know. The mics are off. I don't, know, I don't know Chris yep, Evans. Yep, yep. And, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't have any, any gossip. I mean, the one, the one other comment I wanted to add was just, this, this for me feels very akin to to when a top football club sign, you know, when Juventus sign Ronaldo and people go, God, the transfer fee is ridiculous. And yeah. you go, well, hang on, you add up the shirt sales and you add up the marketing. And, and obviously, if you've got a very small station that isn't really performing, but has a brand name that people might recognise, what a surefire way to now mm. get attention and, and free marketing bucks. And already they've done that through all the PR that's being generated. And imagine what it's now going to be like when it gets towards launch, uh, aided as well, obviously, by the might of the actual uh, Murdoch newspaper's who, who can then push that even further. So from a marketing perspective, I think this is super smart. And just on the music, actually, as mm. well, this interests me. Where do you put a new rock band now? Because you've got Moyles on Radio X mm. and you've got Chris Evans on Virgin. The message seems to me to be, hey, did you like the 90s? Well, <laughs> here's someone who's still playing those great songs you heard then by Nirvana and the Smith songs that were 20 years old at the time. But, but what does it mean for trying to break new artists? I don't know. Uh, Radio 1, 6 Music, even a bit of absolute bit of Virgin, Kerrang. There's enough space if you, if, if you want to find somewhere to, to play some guitar songs. Okay, let's move on to Zoe Ball. Uh, were you surprised? Not at all. <laughs> I think it would have been extraordinary, first of all, if uh, Radio 2 hadn't appointed a female host. Mm. Uh, it was clear that, that that just would have been a PR disaster. And so then you obviously start to look at the runners and riders. And, you know, clearly Sarah Cox was being mentioned a lot as well. There were a few outside names like Vanessa Feltz. But obviously the front runner had to be Zoe Ball. Because she did the Radio 1 Breakfast Show? No, not because she did the Radio 1 Breakfast Show. Because she is a consummate broadcaster. Because she has the heritage. And she does have the name recognition as well. And unfortunately, look, I mean... Uh, we make Sarah's show, so I love Sarah tremendously. And, and um, you know, um, in one sense, I'm, I'm, very, I'm sort of quite pleased she's, she's not moving because she's doing a brilliant job on the show she's on. Um, but in another sense, I obviously feel disappointed on her behalf. Um, but you can't get away from the fact that Zoe Ball probably has bigger name recognition um, amongst the mainstream audience. I mean, after all, she, she hosts the, you know, the, the spin-off Strictly show. Um, she, is, she is a well-known name. She is a good broadcaster. It kind of goes from there. I wonder, Matt, though, whether she's anyone's favourite broadcaster. Uh, so Radio 2's singular focus is 35 to 55-year-old women. That is, you know, when you read any of their commissioning docs, that's, that's what they're after. And uh, Zoe Ball appealing to that audience. And it's the, the, the younger end, kind of 35, 45, people who watch Live and Kicking, The Big Breakfast, Radio 1 Breakfast Show. She is a bigger name in people's minds than than Sarah Cox is um she is well proven to to work with mainstream audiences um but is she anyone's favorite broadcaster well I, I don't, don't mean that to be narcissistic she seems like a lovely woman and then, I think she's very competent but she's not but then I would probably I mean I, exciting I, I like Sarah Cox a lot but, but Sarah think, Cox is some people's favorite well, broadcaster I, I think she is but I don't think it's, it's a large proportion of people particularly um you know and, and this is partly because neither of them have had uh, lo- a lot of daily mainstream shows until recently. You know, Zoe doing some weekends. Obviously, Sarah's been doing their evenings for a little while now, but it's not a huge amount of time. Mm. So she, they, neither of them have been able to sort of build up that 
that particular radio relationship. But I mean, I listened to the Chris Evans announcement, and I'm not normally a, a Chris Evans Radio 2 listener. Uh, and yeah, that's a big, jolly show. It's not really particularly about Chris. You know, it's all about people and ideas and guests and all those sorts of things. So uh, I think actually the move to, to Zoe Ball won't be a, a huge jump. And Charlie Sloth is leaving Radio 1. What do we think of that? Well, I, th- I mean, what I find fascinating about this is it's straight on the back of last week's Semtex mm. announcing he was going. It will be interesting to see where Charlie Sloth is going to. So Semtex think- went to Spotify. Semtex has gone to Spotify, which is obviously, that is the, the really fascinating mm. twist on that story, that he's gone and signed up for Spotify for a 52-week series where he'll be interviewing big hip-hop names, but also doing documentaries around knife crime and all sorts of things. I mean, that's really fascinating that you can go to a talent and say, mm. here is this broad sweep of stuff that we, we, you know, we want to back you on. Charlie Sloth is a bigger name, and so it'll be interesting to see, is he going down a radio career and going to another station, or is it going to be a move to a Spotify or an Apple or, so, or somewhere else? And again, I mean, a bit like the Chris Evans story, it, it, it just reaffirms... Uh, I think the point we were just making about there is this fantastic market going on for talent and for ideas, which is not just radio, but just audio in general. The fact you've got Semtex moving from a, a radio station to a platform who are really backing on-demand content with Charlie Sloth. Let's, let's see what happens. But look, that is a big blow for One Extra because he is one of their stars. And he is more of a live radio name, isn't he, than Semtex? He's done Drive, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I, f- I feel that Semtex probably reached the end of being on Radio 1 on One Extra and uh, would, was going to have to to move on. Um, I mean, Charlie Sloth hasn't been doing The Eighth, which is the, the show that Radio 1 seems to be very much supporting. He has been doing it a huge amount of time as well. Um, he is an interesting, different, uh, divisive, but you know, great characters have on the radio. I mean, my assumption would be he's off to Capital Extra. Uh, he himself, I think it's interesting. So I think he's got quite a big property empire. So like oddly, like money isn't, I wouldn't have thought a huge, or money from the radio isn't a huge driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and This is know, the gossip I was looking for, Steve. Is, That's all I wanted. Is, I didn't even know this. Is Charlie Char- Sloth has a property yeah, empire. Yeah, I think wow. so. And like, is, but Charlie Sloth, where could he go on Radio 1 and 1 Extra? Would he ever get a better shift? And it's like, probably not. So if something pops up that's a bit more interesting on a Capital Extra, even again to a smaller audience, back to the sort of Chris Evans thing, um, is that, does that sort of scratch his creative itch to, to grow his brand? And he's certainly, you know, and we're the first one to say, in a very ego-driven, loud guy, you know, if he popped up on the Capital Extra breakfast show, um, that might be something that he thinks is quite interesting. I suppose the interesting thing is five years ago, um, the BBC was always actually pretty good at nurturing talent mm. and moving them from one network to another. And, and, you know, your career was basically at the BBC until they deemed it otherwise. And when you look at people like Trevor Nelson or Giles Peterson, that's exactly what's happened. They've sort of morphed through the different networks. And obviously, ultimately, you end up on Radio 2 or 6. Yeah, hanging there for 25 years, you get the Radio <laughs> 2 breakfast show. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, and uh, I suppose with Charlie Sloth and Semtex, uh, I think that's quite a jolt for the BBC, mm. seeing talent walk out walk out the door uh, who they would have probably expected mm. to still have quite a number of years left with and uh, just moving from radio to telly we still don't know who the Dimbleby replacement is going to be on question time but we do know a bit about their piloting process <laughs> and it is actually uh, doing it isn't it they're doing dry runs of question time with some very established names from the news and current affairs scene uh, they are but I think that's a good thing I think it's it's you know it's a big show uh, you never quite know until you 
put them in the seats and, and, and see what they're like, even if they've, you know, Kirsty Walk or whoever has been very successful at, at what they've done. Uh, so isn't that a good thing, being open to seeing how that works. I do wonder, though, until you actually have the real politicians there being put on the spot. I think they're there in the pilots. I think they're are they using right. real politicians as I well? I think they are using more junior oh, me, real okay. politicians. Right. And, yeah, I mean, I didn't really understand the, the, the noise about this in the sense of, uh, of course you should be piloting. As Matt said, it's a major show. Why, why, why wouldn't you pilot? Why wouldn't you put Joe and Simon together and see if they like each other? <laughs> uh, staying with radio, sort of, because we're talking about global now, mm. but this is advertising... Um, they are launching themselves onto the street with the acquisition of two outdoor advertisers. Uh, so they're going to be a street ad provider now. They're going to make billboards, basically sell billboards. Uh, Steve, Global say they want to enable smart opportunities for advertisers with this. What do you think they can do that Clear Channel can't? Well, it's just about joining everything up, isn't it? it it's really about being able to join up buyers across uh, multiple platforms my understanding is it's 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 a bit similar to the radio advertising market in that it at times it has really struggled and and certainly at the moment I think it's it's having it's having a sort of t- tougher time. So in a sense, you think well, this is actually really quite smart that you can dive in and 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 immediately place yourself in a really significant place in this market. I think it's put some music number two in that marketplace, the sec- second or third biggest company mm. in that marketplace. Um, it is smart and. It, you know, I think when you look at the history of Global and when it first got set up and where they are now with the live festival stuff as well, I think I think they are becoming quite a formidable business. Matt, do you, would you, if you ran Global, would you buy an outdoor advertising company? Well, I think I think it is a good thing to do. I think it totally fits in with their strategy. Also, they spent what seems to be two to three hundred million pounds on these two companies. Mm. You know, this isn't like a oh, we bought some billboards. <laughs> this is this is. Uh, I mean, they're one of the big players now, and and I was reading some of the write-ups about it and a lot of people who were saying oh the cozy world of outdoor has suddenly got a new entrant in who might have some different views and you know we know from the radio sector they often disagree with everyone do not care what other people think and they push on with uh, their own strategy and they normally have quite a lot of success with it i think for what they've got is um obviously the radio business a festivals business and a digital advertising business called dax which kind of inserts audio adverts dynamically why can't you bring DAX to digital outdoor using similar systems to buy campaigns across radio and outdoor? Yeah, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? People, when they think of outdoor, now think of sort of three billboards outside Ebbing, don't they? But actually, it is digital. So you could, theoretically, couldn't you, with a big campaign, have it running across all of Global's radio stations and TV stations, and then on digital billboards at the exact same second. Also local as well as national. I think that's the other bit. And I think outdoor campaigns... It can be national, but also they can mm. be, be targeted to certain areas. So you sell them a package, um, heart plus billboards. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And also that, that cosy point that Matt made, very reminiscent of when Global came into the radio mm. industry and the same old faces in all, for, in, in all different forms, but have basically been running that, that industry for sort of 20-odd years, and they came in and absolutely shook things up to yeah. a really significant degree. So um, sounds like potentially that, that could happen again. I think the other thing on, on Global, someone said to me that I thought was interesting was... You know, these are big acquisitions and they have got deep pockets um, and, you know, a founder family that is well off. But, you know, when you're paying two or three hundred million pounds, you know, these are these are big deals. You know, They're big them, gambles, arguably. They are. But like to grow any further, actually, does global need to maybe float um, and bring in a load of more money to do to do bigger things and more things? You know, and in the radio sector, even though they're the biggest 
broadcaster, well, they're probably the smallest company. You know, Bauer and News are bigger organisations. So, you know, the modern media world's about scale, and they're definitely building up their scale. And I've not seen an answer to the question, well, actually, I've not seen anyone ask the question, whether LBC, as now an increasingly credible multi-platform news brand, uh, might have an issue with being owned by a company that makes all of its money by selling advertising. Because if a story comes up, you know, on the day of recording, McDonald's workers are on strike. If that story comes up and your biggest client is McDonald's for digital outdoor advertising, it's hard to imagine there wouldn't be an email to the presenters saying, maybe don't mention this, don't focus on it. Uh, who knows? I mean, I think there's always rumours that there are uh, such issues. I think, oddly, when you get to bigger companies like that, it gets harder to keep track of what everything's doing to try and keep everyone on message. But yeah, I think that's, of course, that could be a challenge for any media company. But it's not something that, like I say, people seem to be asking no. or worried about at the moment. Ofcom hasn't said anything about mm. it, have they? No, and, and, and obviously there's Ofcom rules around that sort of mm. thing, so... Yeah. Big business story as well, whilst we were away. The biggest, really, of the year when you zoom out, I guess, is that 21st Century Fox did lose its bid to take full control of Sky after Comcast won a sealed bid. We asked both of you guys for your predictions most years on the media podcast. No one predicted this. Not even mentioned Comcast back in January, did they? No. I mean, it just shows uh, the assumptions about the media world are changing, particularly from telecoms companies and um, you know big, large organisations that are into content and distribution. I think there's a complexity around Sky. You know, Disney are taking over the whole organisation. Uh, they did want Sky, but also they get in effect, like a 15, 20 billion pound dividend of selling their mm. shares to, to Comcast that they can put into the new Disney Life, um, you know, Disney Netflix incarnation. And also, I think Comcast own a chunk of Hulu and Disney might take all of Hulu now, <laughs> uh, which means they've got like a premium Netflix tenner a month thing and then Hulu a sort of ad-funded Netflix thing. So there's there's probably more machinations behind the scenes than it, than it seems. The, I think the crazy thing is that Sky News has somehow got some like regulatory free pass that it gets to exist forever, well funded. Um, for, I don't want to say for no apparent reason, but uh, for the, the government being argued by the opposition about support of the Murdochs means that Sky News is now funded forever just seems a weird thing. And who's it funded forever by? Because I got confused. Whoever's left with owning it. Well, it's, is it, it, it Disney, it, I think? It's it's a 10-year guarantee, yeah. isn't it? No, it's, from Comcast now. Yeah. It is, that's gone to Comcast, yeah, Comcast as well. But it's, okay. but it's a 10-year mm. guarantee. Okay. And what do you think Comcast are actually going to do with Sky? Because they're, they're a really big player in Europe, aren't they? And it, that is something Comcast wanted. Well, it is interesting, isn't it? I... I, I this is all obviously wrapped up in the bigger play of Netflix, Amazon and, and how we're all consuming content. I suppose the key question, or, or certainly for someone like me, is, is what does it mean for, for content funding and, and what's going to happen there? Sky One's always struggled a little bit to, to, to have its identity and to know what it's about. Mm. Um, at the same time, you know, Sky has done brilliantly, obviously, on sport. It, it's completely redefined what, what sport's about, but... And those rights this year have gone a bit cheaper. So in a sense, you think, okay, that's quite interesting. And, uh, uh, but that market is, is hotting up. Um, movies aren't really the premium mm. they once were. Uh, Sky Arts has played a great role, certainly politically for Sky, and sort of saying, look, you know, the BBC isn't the only place you can get this sort of content from. And I suppose it'd be interesting to see how they tie in with their US operations and the content coming out of their U- US operations. And, and, and are there more properties they can then bring over 
for a, for a UK or European audience. It's also, it's not sexy to talk about the box itself, mm. <laughs> but I've actually just been on holiday in Florida, staying in an Airbnb, and they had Comcast's premium box installed in all the rooms. It's called Xfinity, mm. and it's shit. Well, yeah, well, one of the, the, the announcements was that pretty much all the Sky technology will just be sucked in and blown back out to the other, to the other markets. I think um, I would, I mean, if I was an American and I was an yeah. Xfinity subscriber and I got something like SkyQ, that mm. might make me stay. Yeah. So that is a big a big play as well, potentially. Absolutely. And also, uh, big global deals around their own content. You know, Disney are not going to license their TV shows and films to other broadcasters anymore because they're going to retail it direct to consumer. Uh, I was thinking the other day, all of the people who work for you know, selling ABC sitcoms to other markets, and all, literally all those people will probably disappear because why would they be doing that so much anymore? Um, all those deals being run down. So You're if, not actually saying Bob Iger will have them killed. <laughs> well, um, I don't think the, the, the market's that cutthroat yet, <laughs> uh, but we'll have to see. Mickey can be a tough customer. Tell me about it. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of interested to see, to see that, you know, for, for, for Comcast as well, if they're not going to be sold any of these things, you know, if Disney Channel disappears off of, of, of Sky or, or all of their platforms, they need their own content to hold back from, from Disney and Netflix and Amazon. And actually in the kids space, Sky are quite reliant on Disney, aren't they? Uh, well, uh, so and Nickelodeon, I guess. Well, but. They, they've sort of got everyone at the moment, and Sky and Nick and Cartoon Network and, and Sony are in it with the kind of pop TV channels. Uh, but again, uh, as soon as we see Disney having a very kids-focused app, you know, what does that mean for for Nick uh, and Viacom that own it, and, and where do they put their content? And uh, you know, in America, CBS has its own sort of Netflix services that roll out internationally. You know, at the moment, they're building stuff like um, Star Trek and Star Trek spin-offs, uh, which sits on CBS in America, but it sits on Netflix in the in UK and around the world. But for how long? Well, as, as father to a two-year-old, may I say that whoever owns the rights for Paw Patrol and Blaze and the Monster <laughs> Machines is going to be okay. I'd, I'd pay an extra £20 a month if I had to to shut him up. Um, we'll have more news in brief after this. This episode of the Media Podcast was recorded at RunVT in the heart of Soho. RunVT has offline and online suites, 15 and 2, respectively, as well as this very beautiful Baselight grading studio, where I'm sitting right now. The RunVT pick of the week, by the way, is Channel 5 series Walking Britain's Lost Railways with Rob Bell, Friday nights, 9pm, and on demand at my five. To edit your next show like they did at RunVT, go to runvt.tv now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Time for some media news in brief now. Stephen Matt's still with me, and breaking this morning, as we record on a Thursday, is the story that most of the Daily Telegraph's politics, business, and rugby coverage is about to disappear behind their premium paywall. That's to drive up subscribers. Um, it is just an extension of their existing um, policy, which appears to be working, though, Steve. Yes, the extension is widening it out. Um, I think I'm right in saying that they have a target of trying to get 10 million sign-ups and already this year I think is right they've had three million so they're making really good progress and obviously the next stage of that is widening out uh, the amount of content that's behind the paywall and us and I think it's it's interesting when you look at say rugby as an example where they've chosen not to put football behind a paywall because that's very accessible everywhere and mm. not necessarily associated just with the telegraph though their football coverage is very strong but they have put rugby behind a paywall because that's much more of a natural home for rugby content I can see that as being a very successful move so and you know similarly with business their business coverage obviously competes with people like the Times but is very strong it's smart and I'm sure it will work for them you do sort of get frustrated into paying up though don't you Matt that's the only issue with it that I see Uh, so I the only consumption of Telegraph I have is I getting bounced in from social clicks and those sorts of bits and they're the one where I think mostly I've got a login um, and like sometimes you get a free one and sometimes you don't but I, I hit the there is no more for you Matt page way more often than, than anyone else can't open my private tab and still log in or you know all that stuff doesn't work I just won't consume any telegraph media I won't be exposed to them as a brand or understand that rugby is really great that they do I'm never going to buy the print edition well that's um, an interesting so, thing because I wonder if there's a demographic issue there as opposed to the times so I'm 37 I will buy a paper copy of the times occasionally I'm too young to buy a paper copy of the telegraph mm. so my only consumption of the telegraph was online it wasn't like the times where I would occasionally buy the paper yeah so I mean they, they, their view might be doesn't matter we as long as we get enough subscribers it's fine and, and we, we'll own some verticals uh, but no, I mean I will I don't see how I can get into Telegraph content with that as a strategy. Um, I think the other bit's interesting with Telegraph is actually they're doing quite a big push into you know audio and free-to-air audio. So maybe that's the way in, I don't know. Well, the, the, the challenge, obviously, for all of the newspapers is um, it's an industry that's, that's struggling and they have to... I think they're finally waking up to the fact they've got to be a bit more re- revolutionary in, in, uh, in trying to find new revenue streams. And so... You know, as we've seen, there's been lots of experimentation going on the past years with The Times and The Guardian, mm. and this is just really the latest iteration of that, that they've got to start experimenting, they've got to dive into video and audio and other places, um, because because the old model is, is, is a broken model and ultimately is not going to work. Well, and I guess 
all of what we used to think of as quality broadsheets now, so the FT, the Times, the Telegraph, the Guardian, are asking for money in some form, mm. or they've gone the way of the Independent, which, frankly, it's a brand, isn't it? It's not the same as it used to be. Well, I think, well, yeah, the Independent is, is has jettisoned its brand and turned into... Uh, it's BuzzFeed, isn't it? Uh, well, no, it's it's not even the quality of BuzzFeed, is it? I mean, it's it's really really clickbaiting. You you land on those pages and there's like 17 ad units and about 300 trackers. Yeah, you know, they've they have jettisoned any idea that they the, what what they used to be. So think, paywalls have won. Is my point? Uh, but then the Guardian, the, the Guardian hasn't got a paywall. Has has generated loads of money from donations. You know, I never would have said that that would work. But they've got enough affinity with their audiences that maybe don't want to spend a, a five quid a month, ten quid a month, but will chuck some money in effect a tip jar. But it's a tip jar that makes them 50, 60 million quid. Okay, latest in the war between Amazon and Netflix is that Prime have signed Neil Gaiman and Bear Grylls uh, in a bid to keep subscribers hooked. Good move, Steve? Well, it's all about premium content, isn't it? Mm. And um, with Neil Gaiman with the writing, with Bear Grylls as a... As a visible sort of brand, I suppose he's everywhere. Though, he, well, he is everywhere. But he, but don't forget, he's also he's massive in the states mm. as well as the UK. So uh, if you're going to sign him exclusively, that provides you with a, a significant audience who instantly recognise what he's about, and therefore for his type of content may come to it. It, it. It's pretty similar, isn't it, to the Jeremy Clarkson move in the sense of mm. an audience who will who will recognise what he stands for. So does that mean he is going from all the shows that he's associated with at the moment then? I don't know. If it is exclusive, that means... I don't so. know either, but... What the one, Island one Without one Bear Grylls. Saying. Well, saying that, The <laughs> Island With Bear Grylls, there's like three cutaways an yeah. episode where it's like, they're having trouble, aren't they? <laughs> they didn't like the look of that pig, yeah. and then it's done. You could, do it, you could green screen old bits of Bear Grylls into those things. I think the fine. I think the key, the key question with Bear Grylls is, when he's uh, working for Amazon, is he still going to be allowed to wear his Bear Grylls branded <laughs> yeah. jumpers that right? he wears on every... Uh, TV show you see him presenting but but no one else wears that's the weird thing it's like the whole line exists only for him to wear and Matt do you remember the show that he's allegedly rebooting Eco Challenge from the first time round oh I'm I'm, I'm not aware of it no Steve well I'm probably the oldest person in the room but I don't remember it either (laughs) no not exactly a trusted brand however Dad's Army I mean say what you like about Dad's Army and people have been for 60 years it's still massive isn't it on BBC2 on a Saturday night Uh, and Gold are filming lost episodes of Dad's Army. Is that right? Uh, they are. Um, but again, it's it's brand recognition, isn't it? You know, goal is difficult for Gold to launch an original show. Um, the cost of acquiring these scripts is probably a little bit more than what they'd pay for you know, a, a similar new script. And instantly everyone would be like, oh, it's the same. Oh, it's dreadful. I mean, generate loads of social mm. discussion. Um, I'm sure it'll be hooked into repeating I don't know, the 15 episodes that exist of the bloody program and a Channel 5 Top 100 Dad's Army Moments uh, style show, I'm sure, will sit alongside it. Sounding well. cynical to me. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with him. <laughs> a new podcast to showcase the best of BBC local stories launches on the 10th of October, hosted by producer Becca Bryars. It's called Multistory. Uh, Matt, what is it? Uh, So this is the best of local radio stories uh, in podcast form. Yeah, you've just pretty much summarised it accurately. Yeah, I think think it's sort of... I haven't listened to it, so they might do a great... Well, it doesn't start until the 10th of October, so no one's listened to it. So what I hope they do (laughs) uh, is something that doesn't go on and on about this being a story from BBC Radio Northampton and this one from Derby. No one cares about that. Mm. If it's focused on 
great storytelling that happens to come out of those places. You know, that small difference makes such a difference to how people consume this material. All of the evidence points to any form of catch-up, radio catch-up in podcasts, does not work. And I'm kind of ignoring... Uh, you know, Radio 4 type programs where it's, uh, you know, it's a big brand or it's something that exists, but like a best of the Moyle show or a best of something just doesn't work. It doesn't rate. It's not in any of the charts. I don't know what my hook would be to listen to this. I think this is uh, actually about, so it is about taking stories and including, that includes old stories where they might. Mm. Uh, so I think the example they've given in the press release is, is the story of a guy who'd never been out, uh, outside of his village and they they, they travel on the train with him to London or something uh, and then they've gone back and revisited him to find out what happened to his story it feels to me like a slightly cheap British version of This American Life however as Matt says no one's heard this so let's give them a chance um, well we do know there are hard working journalists and producers in yeah, the local radio stations across the country reporting really interesting things that never get heard yeah and, there's, and look there's, there's obviously on a local level that is the place to find those really fascinating human interest stories that could grip you but it's really all in the production and the mm. storytelling when you think about what the great American podcasts do so much of that is in the narrative of the host and really uh, great writing actually even though it's audio it's great writing and so it'll be interesting whether BBC local radio journalists have that have that ability, and also the, I think the packaging of that. You know, can you understand what you're going to get from the cover art, from the title, um, from the trailer that sits around it? You know, this is it is it is really hard to establish a podcast now. Um, there's a lot of great people coming into the sector. You know, BBC themselves seemingly churning out a couple of new. Yeah, podcasts a week from the central team. You know, this is who you're, you're competing with to, to, to get to be known. Multi-story, not a great title either, is it really? I mean, it's no This American Life, is it? Mm, perhaps not. Mm. Uh, I did listen to it though, by the way. I'm actually quite interested to hear that. But I do wonder whether you were saying it takes the brands away from the local stations if they're smart. But then you possibly are arguing against the local stations in the first place and saying, well, if I am as interested in a man from Liverpool when I'm in Devon, well, it, it also, why is it on Radio Merseyside? It also depends what your desire is. You know, if you want to be the number one podcast in Northampton mm. by being having a great you know, Northampton angle on something, that's a cool ambition to have. And that's not what this um, is. If you want to try and be a national thing that comes out of uh, some great local producers, that's a more complex um, skill to, to execute on. Okay, time for our own national phenomenon. It is, of course, the media quiz. Hurrah! This week, we're pitting our guests against the brains behind Radio 4's new Today programme puzzle book, priced £12.99. Uh, I'm going to read a question. If you know the answer, you buzz in with your name. So, Steve, you will say... Steve. And Matt, you'll say... Matt. Okay, fastest voice box first. Let's play these genuine questions from the Today programme puzzle book. France is Marseille, Germany is Hamburg, Italy is Milan, Spain is Barcelona. What is the UK? Matt. Matt. London. It's a good guess. It's wrong. Steve, would you like to contest? Well, I'm only going to guess a city name. Uh, um, (laughs) Manchester. (laughs) (laughs) If you were right, that would be great, but you're wrong. Uh, The answer is Birmingham. Mm. Any ideas why? Second cities? Yes, they are all the second largest cities in each country by population, yeah. Uh, Okay, question number two. They were patented in London in 1845, and Colombian drugs baron Pablo Escobar was spending $1,000 a week on them at the height of his success. But what are they? 
Matt. Matt. Rubber bands. Yes. Wow. You've read a press release, haven't you? No. I, um, is it in Narcos? I've seen Narcos. Is yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well done. I was trying to think of... I, I've seen Narcos <laughs> as well. I was trying to think, what is it I've seen? <laughs> yeah. The logic there is good, though. Okay, question number three. What comes next? Two-faced god, war god, spring goddess, what? When you know you'll kick yourself. Matt. I mean, Matt, you've won anyway, but go on, yeah. Animal god. <laughs> He's game. I like the fact that he's had a guest, don't you? I feel humiliated <laughs> in this it, edition of the media quiz. It's like when you watch uh, Only Connect all over again. Yeah. <laughs> As if the brand values of Radio 4 are to make people feel stupid. The answer, of course, is Julius Caesar. Mm. Julius Caesar. They are the sources for the names of every other month, uh, starting at January. January is named for Janus, the two-faced god. March for Mars, the god of war. May for Maya, the spring goddess. July, of course, for Julius Caesar. Kicking yourself, aren't you, Steve? I am kicking myself. <laughs> uh, well, Matt, congratulations. You are today's winner with one right answer. Uh, and thank you to Steve Ackerman as well. Uh, if you like what we are up to here on the Media Podcast and you want to help us keep making it, then do consider taking out a voluntary subscription. Every episode is dedicated to a subscriber like Rachel from Berkeley, California. Rachel is a software developer and likes to listen while she's walking around her neighbourhood or swimming laps. If you want to be more like Rachel, and frankly, who wouldn't, visit themediapodcast.com slash donate and select an amount to keep us going all year round. Uh, and of course, you can always catch up with previous episodes and get new ones as soon as they're released by subscribing for free on our website, themediapodcast.com. If you haven't yet heard Michaela Cole's full McTaggart lecture or the Dairy Girls Masterclass from the Edinburgh TV Festival, please do add them to your list. They are worth your time. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer, Rebecca Grisdale-Sherry. The Media Podcast is a PPM production. Until next time, bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.